Amanda here. Today's episode is actually a sample of my brand new Patreon-only podcast, Rest Stop Stories. It's a sister show to Take the Mass Pike, featuring short, single narrator stories. The genres will vary, but they'll all be strange, and they'll all be set in Massachusetts. So if you enjoy this story, you can receive monthly episodes and tons of other bonus content for just $5 a month on my Patreon page, which is linked in the show notes. But for now, here's Rest Stop Stories, Episode Zero, Alston Christmas. It's that time of year again, folks. The air is getting crisper, the children are getting restless as a new school year approaches, and in the Boston neighborhood of Alston Brighton, it's like the earth itself is holding its breath. Because it's that time of year again. September 1st. Alston Christmas is here. You've all heard of Alston Christmas, that beautiful, joyful day when the students return, every lease in the city of Boston turns over, and the population of Alston Brighton swells 124%, and piles upon piles of apartment refuse cover the streets, ripe for the picking and providing the day with its festive moniker. Now, over the past few years, Alston Christmas has become oddly commercialized. Carolers sing in the streets, it shows up in the advertising, people come in to pick through and find things to sell. But despite all of this, the spirit of Alston Christmas lives on. It lives on in that U-Haul over there at the side of Starrow Drive, top sliced cleanly off by the BU Bridge, and that U-Haul currently wedged under the bridge, and those three U-Hauls lining Starrow Drive waiting for their turn to get stuck. It lives on in the mountains of apartment furnishings strewn throughout Comav. Looking for a new cabinet? There's a fine-looking one. How about a mattress? Good God, no! Do you want bed bugs? Take a moment to think through your decisions, please. Honest to God, I don't know what you're thinking. Looking for a new roommate? Oh, someone tossed out a perfectly good one. Here, dust him off. Get the tea home. The spirit of Austin Christmas lives on in the bookcase that you managed to lug home. That one with the ornate carvings all along the sides. The one packed full of old college texts that you'll definitely use again in the future. It's a beautiful piece of furniture, and you can't imagine why anyone would just toss it out onto the street. Your roommate Sarah agrees with you, though she said something about the carvings along the side giving her the creeps. But everything gives Sarah the creeps, so honestly, you're not that concerned. But then the lights start to flicker every night. You chalk it up to your shitty management company, grumbling about the unreasonable amount of rent that you pay to be treated like this. At midnight, every overhead light in your apartment flicks on just long enough to wake you both up, but not long enough for you to be sure it wasn't a dream until Sarah comments in the morning, complaining over her breakfast smoothie. This happens every night for a week, then you just get used to it. Must just be part of city living. The voices must be, too. They're not coming from the stoned college kids in the unit upstairs. These voices sound ancient whispering just below your range of hearing. You hear them in the still of hot September nights. You hear them over the hiss of the shower, and perhaps most concerning. You hear them underlying Sarah's own words as she asks you if you'd like to go grab a cup of coffee with her. But like your mom said when you move to college, there will always be aspects of communal living that you won't like. So you'll take the good with the bad here. At least you've got easy access to the green line. Then Sarah comments on the ornate carvings. They look like faces, she says as she peers at the side of the shelf, beer in hand. They didn't look like faces when you found it, right? You shrug from the sofa, another Alston Christmas find. You don't think so? But it's been so long since you've actually looked at the bookshelf, like at least a month and a half. That's definitely a face, she says. 
She traces the lines with the base of her beer bottle. See? Eyes here, mouth here. It's laughing. She frowns. Or maybe screaming. And look, here's another. And another. There are three faces on here. Weird, you say, but your mind is already on your shift tomorrow and the fact that you really should have gone to bed an hour ago. The air cools as the autumn progresses and you get promoted at work. You see less of Sarah, but you notice the changes when you do cross paths. The shadows under her eyes, the crackle in her voice as she hands you her rent money three days late. Then she's gone. It's mid-February, with six months left on your lease, and Sarah is gone. She doesn't tell you where she's going. Hell, she doesn't even say goodbye. Instead, you come home, notice nothing out of the ordinary, and settle down on the couch to watch a few hours of Netflix. It takes you a week to realize you haven't seen her, and another week before you start to worry. After all, you aren't in charge of her. If she wants to stay with a new boyfriend for a week without telling anyone, that's her prerogative. But then you start getting the phone calls, the anxious friends, the irritated student loan provider. You're not quite sure why they have your number, but this seems to confirm your concerns. Spring melts the winter cold, and you still haven't seen Sarah. The police eventually get involved. Your landlord sends sympathy, but reminds you that you're on the hook for the full rent. You decide not to sign for another year. You'll move on in September, find somewhere else to live. You spend weeks cleaning and packing. Sarah's belongings are all still in the apartment. You leave messages for her family, but never hear back. Eventually, you decide to just dump it on the sidewalk on September 1st. After all, you never agreed to take care of it for her. September 1st, Alston Christmas. It dawns humid and boiling hot. Your father's going to be here at 9 to help you move out. At 7, you decide to start moving things out to the sidewalk. Sarah's belongings go out first. You feel a pang of remorse as you see them out there. Not that there was much you could have done, but you wish there was. Wiping sweat, you go upstairs and assess the remaining furniture. The couch is coming with you, but there's no room for the ornate bookshelf. Now just a crap collector filled with textbooks you'll never touch again. When your dad arrives, the two of you lug it out to the sidewalk, tossing it on top of an ever-growing pile of Alston Christmas rubbish. As you turn to follow him into the U-Haul, you notice the carvings on the side. Carvings you haven't considered in nearly a year. Looking closer, you decide Sarah was right. They do look like faces. Screaming faces, all in a row. But Sarah was wrong about one thing. As you look over the contorted faces, there are very clearly four of them. Thanks for listening. And again, if you want more, you can receive monthly episodes at my $5 Patreon tier. This month's episode is available now, and it's a historical horror short called The Road from Concord. All right, talk to you soon.